Ezekiel chapter 36, verse number 16. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Ezekiel, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they don't do that anymore, they've been taken captive, they defiled the land by their own way and by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured out my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land, for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way, according to their doings, I judged them. And when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name before them. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and are gone forth out of his land. They didn't have the testimony of uh, the love of the brethren that the disciples should have. But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, Thus hath the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine own holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am Jehovah, saith the Lord God when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. Bless Father the presentation and the study of your word. Glorify yourself we pray in the salvation of souls in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. When we first meet Ezekiel, he's by the river Chebar in Babylon slash Chaldea. Ezekiel had been born in Judah, but when King Jehoiachin was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar, Ezekiel, along with many others, were taken away. They're captives now in a strange land. When his ministry began, when the Lord called him to become a prophet, when his ministry began, there were still a few Jews left back home, back in Israel. They were living under the rule of their final king, Zedekiah. Uh, the letter Z. Zed, last letter. Zedekiah is the last of the kings. Well, from that distance back in Babylon, God through Ezekiel and others were sending messages to those rebels who were still in the land, mistreating Jeremiah and, and creating all kinds of uh, despicable things. 
uh, and, and God's message went back home. Now, the first chapters, many chapters in the beginning of the book of Ezekiel are all about the judgment of God, the judgment of God, the judgment of God, which those people deserve to receive. But then, at a certain point, the message began to mellow. And the Lord began to speak about uh, hope and national salvation. For example, in chapter 37, the next chapter, we have the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. Brother Daniel Pearson, whom most of you know, brought an excellent message from this chapter 37 on the Valley of Dry Bones. His message was primarily geared to the idea of uh, the gospel ministry. I have heard messages taken from chapter 37 uh, applied to personal salvation or God's work in salvation. Uh, but the primary focus of the prophecy is about Israel in the future. Israel as a nation. Through Ezekiel, God says, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. 37 and verse number 12. That is not a prophecy about Zionism. It's not a prophecy about the establishment of Israel in 1948. It is a prophecy about the millennium. When the Lord Jesus shall establish his blessed thousand-year kingdom, there will be peace on this earth because he will rule with a rod of iron. Well, our text in chapter 36 is about the same subject. But it's not so much of the prophecy which concerns me this morning. It's about the nature of that national salvation. But I would like to apply it to personal salvation. This is about Israel, but I would like to apply it to individuals of the 21st century. Notice verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and will give you an heart of flesh. Let's think this morning about that stony heart. The title for today's message is Hypertronic Cardiomyopathy. Two big doctor speak words. It is an actual disease. It's not the same thing as the hardening of the arteries, arteriosclerosis which is caused by cholesterol plaque building up in certain arteries and causes heart attacks that way. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is a condition in which the walls of the left ventricle of the heart, which is perhaps the most important quarter of the heart that, that there is, uh, the walls of that heart become hardened. And over time, it's not able to pump out enough blood to feed the rest of the body. Without treatment, the person with this disease will grow weaker and weaker over time until he dies. But there is good news. Science has come along with medicines that will uh, alleviate this problem, postpone the death caused by this problem, and the person can go on for quite some time. 
I assume that it's very expensive medicine, but there's medicine out there to take care of that sort of thing. However, there's another similar disease called cardiac amyloidosis. It's not treatable. This is a condition where certain proteins build up and then collect on the inner walls of the heart. Not just one ventricle, but all of them. There they solidify, causing stiffness of the heart, which is in itself muscular, and blocking the electrical impulses that our Creator has built within us to keep the different aspects of the heart doing their various jobs. In most cases, for someone who has this particular disease, the only solution is a heart transplant. There's no medication thus far to be able to deal with it. And with that, I'll come back to our message for the day. Spiritually hardened hearts. The Bible has much to say about our subject using a variety of terms. It uses words like stiff-hearted, hard-hearted, stony-hearted, before going to other terms including stiff-necked and hardened faces. There are dozens of scriptures which highlight and condemn these interrelated conditions. Some of the scriptures are well known to us. We hear them from time to time. Others are rather obscure, but they're still important. Stephen, for example, was a physician who warned others of this spiritual disease. However, in his case, the patients uh, didn't like it, and they executed him for the warning he gave them. He said, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Acts chapter 7, verse number 51. In that statement, we basically have a definition of the subject. Spiritual disease, resistance against God, a hard heart. Paul used the word several times in the book of Hebrews. Twice, I think it was, in chapter 3. In chapter 3, he quoted Psalm 95. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years, wherein I was grieved with that generation. So I said in my wrath... Ye shall not enter into my rest. Zechariah condemned Israel, saying, The Lord has spoken to your fathers, but they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Zechariah chapter 7. Skipping over many others, I'll just share one more. Jeremiah 5, 3. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them, but they have not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They refuse to return. 
In one of the messages this past week, reference was made to, to today's pervasive spirit of fear. He didn't, this is my take on it. Satan is using a number of means to stir people's hearts into fearing everything from terrorists to terms, social terms, from germs to Germans. We're supposed to fear everything from unlikely disasters. Oh no, we may be struck with a tsunami here in the Spokane Valley someday. <laughs> to even more unlikely diseases. None of you listen to the national news, so I will tell you. None of you listen to ABC, NBC, CBS, you're all on to the good stuff. But uh, let me tell you that for the most part, all they have to say is disruptive and, and destructive, terrifying things. And since none of you see those things, uh, you may not be aware that the commercials at the 6 o'clock news are all uh, sponsored by dope dealers. The, the pharmaceutical companies. And their ads are filled with the idea that if you don't take their drug, you are going to die. Everything about the news is terrible. Furthermore, if you do take their drug, it is quite likely you will die from the after effects of taking their drug. And they tell you that right up. So no, no matter whether you're coming or going, you are going to die. Uh, because this is such a terrible, terrible world. Well, that message that I referred to exhorted us that we need not fear because we live and serve a sovereign God who controls all of these things. I'm here to tell you that there is a certain disease which you need to fear like the plague. I'm talking about cardiac amyloidosis. I didn't finish that verse from Zechariah 7. They made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord their God, which he hath sent by the former prophets. And then the verse concludes with, Therefore came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. For those who have humbled themselves before the Lord, submitting themselves to the heart-softening ministry of the Holy Spirit, there is absolutely nothing in this world that we need to fear. Nothing. Death? Death's a promotion. How we get there? It's not important. Whether we have lots or little, it doesn't matter. But for those hard-hearted, stony-hearted, stiff-necked rebels, there should be terror of that sovereign God right. to whom I just referred. Yeah. Pharaoh of Egypt in Moses' day hardened his heart against Jehovah. And he paid the price in a terrifying death and he is still reaping the effects of that hardened heart even today. God's chosen nation died in Babylonian and Assyrian slavery, 
due to the effects of their rebellion against God, their hardened hearts when the prophets came along and said, we need to fix this. And many in Israel died at the hands of the Romans in 70 A.D. because the Savior came among them and they hardened their hearts against him, crucifying him. And here is my simple point for this morning. I saw you snickering at my stumbling over those big words. That's okay. I just use those big words to catch your attention. And you may be yawning at my references to Pharaoh and the Romans and the Jews. But here's the thing. You may be suffering from the spiritual version of this hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Your heart may currently be like a stone, adamantly resistant to the moving of the Holy Spirit in this service, in your own heart. Your heart may, and soul may be like concrete. And if you take a concrete block and drop it into the lake, it heads to the bottom of that lake. And you, with that hardened heart of yours, dropped into the lake of fire, well, you'll sink to the bottom. How does this happen? What is the cause of this deadly disease? Since everyone is a little different, I suppose detailed explanations aren't all that important. But one of the many several things that can calcify your heart, among the many things which can contribute to it, uh, the Lord Jesus brought up one in a parable in, in Matthew 22. I'll just read it for you. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which, married, which made a feast, a marriage for his son. Send forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding feast. And they would not come. He sent other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed. All things are ready. Come to the marriage. But they made light of it. They made light of it and went their ways. Things didn't end very well for those people who made light of the Lord's invitation. This particular bunch weren't particularly evil. These people didn't kill the servants. Others did, according to the parable. These people just said, ah, ah, not important. Not important. They simply considered the message and the invitation less important than their own plans and agendas. And I'll just tell you bluntly, those hard-hearted people are in hell today. They are in judgment today, yes. where perhaps you will join them one day. If something's not done about that heart of yours. Spiritual amyliodosis can flow out of indifference and unconcern toward the Lord's warnings. How many times have we been told that certain foods cause arteriosclerosis? How many mini strokes does a person have to suffer before we figure out, you know, there may be something happening here that I should respond to, fix. Maybe the doctor tells us that we're headed toward a heart attack, 
But there is proven medicine that can relieve this particular problem of yours. And if we die of that heart attack, we have no one to blame but ourselves if we didn't take the medicine. If we didn't take the medicine. Spiritually, hearts may become hard through neglect. Neglect of prayer. Neglect of God's word. The avoidance of the house of God where the gospel is preached. Oh, and by the way, my thoughts are not confined to non-Christians. Although it's a completely different message, uh, we must remember that Christians too can become hard-hearted. And something needs to be done with that. They too can die under their hard heart. It has nothing to do with spending eternity in hell. But uh, nevertheless, it's still a problem for the children of God. As I say, that's a, a different sermon. They don't die the second death. But they might die the first one a little early, so to speak, because they're not the children of God they should be. Another cause of heart hardness is prejudice. Prejudice is a preconceived opinion about something which is not based on experience. Someone may decide that she doesn't like the fact that God considers us to be beneficiaries of Adam's sin. I don't like the idea of Adam sinning and me being a sinner. Okay, you have a prejudice against that. Another person hates that God requires blood for the atonement. They'd rather use turnips. Another person has different opinions on who the Savior is. Faith in a man who died 2,000 years ago, that I might be forgiven by God today, it just doesn't make sense. I'm predisposed to reject that. It doesn't matter how many scriptures, how many times the truth is shared with these people, their prejudice against God and prejudice against the word of God makes their heart harder and harder every time they hear the truth. Then we have the illustration of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. By God's grace, that man had risen to the top of the world. He was the cream at the top of the uh, uh, dairy bucket. He had the counsel of Daniel, the man of God. He had been introduced to Jehovah, the God of Israel, and the creator of the universe. Nevertheless, nevertheless, his head was filled with himself. And his heart was filled with calcifying pride and sin. And then one day, the Lord took it all away. He had a stroke, we might say. He was crippled for a period of time. Lost his mind. Then again, the Lord graciously healed him, and he apparently learned his lesson. Later, Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's successor, a man who inherited the same kind of heart as his father was going through a similar cardiac event, shall we say. God sent him a spiritual heart attack. There was strange writing on the wall. He sent for Daniel, the man of God. 
to counsel the royal patient. Daniel reminded him of the well-known story about Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, don't you remember? How Nebuchadnezzar's heart became hard. He had that stroke. The Lord brought him back. He began to praise Jehovah. Then pointing to Belshazzar, Daniel said, But when his heart was lifted up, and his, Nebuchadnezzar's mind was hardened, his heart was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast filled up thyself against the Lord of heaven. Then was the part of the hand sent from God, and this writing was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Eupharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. He died of a hard heart. He had the testimony of his father. He had the witness of Daniel. He hardened his heart against these things because of his preconceived ideas or whatever was what it was. And that cardiac event took his life and he is in hell today. Soon to be cast into the lake of fire. That very night, Belshazzar died of a hard heart. Cardiac amyloidosis. Sinful pride is a major cause of hardened heart disease. I quoted earlier Paul, who quoted Psalm, one of the earlier Psalms. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. That provocation was when Israel provoked the Lord to anger during their leisurely stroll from Egypt to Canaan. God had given them stable leadership. He was meeting their needs, but not their wants, not their wishes. The countryside was desolate. It was desert. It was hot and dry. Very little vegetation. No entertainment, no Netflix. The country or the people began to sinfully murmur and complain. Things weren't going exactly the way they wanted it to go. They had no faith. They had no love for God. And over time, their hearts just got harder and harder against the things of the Lord. They provoked the Lord to anger through their unrelenting complaining and murmuring, hardening their hearts against the Lord and against His will. Do you ever complain at the Lord's leadership? Sorry that you don't have the leeks and the garlics that you used to have before your salvation? Well, maybe it's because... uh, You're still godless. Fear the hardened heart. Israel suffered dearly when she provoked the Lord to anger. And he basically wiped out that generation of people. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. 
You may be near death because of your cardiac amyloidosis. You may be dying, standing in the presence of God because you are suffering from a hard heart and a stiff neck. This is deadly serious. You may not have 24 hours left on this earth. It's just a fact. And when you die, that cement-filled heart will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, dragging you farther and farther into the bottomless pit of that place. But I'm here to tell you that there is a cure. There is a solution to cardiomyopathy. I thought about attempting to be clever and gave it up for... I didn't want to be embarrassed by it. I thought about taking God's word where it is described as a hammer. I thought about taking you to Jeremiah 23, 29 where God says, Is not my word like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Lord, I know your question is rhetorical. I think we know the answer to that. Yes, your word is like a hammer. Yes, your word can crush any human argument if the humans are interested in that. But I have to ask you, what happens to the rock that's crushed by the hammer? We end up with dust and baby rocks. Uh, not much improvement there. I deliberately misquoted Jeremiah 23, 29. It more fully says, Is not my word like, a, like as a fire? saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. What happens to the rock when it's put into extremely hot fire? Extremely hot? It melts and becomes no longer... Well, it's different. It's different. It's not a different kind of rock. It's... Well, I suppose it is, but... Anyway, that's why I didn't use those illustrations, because they're, they're prone to... Uh, uh, Misconceptions, shall we say. I'd rather just get to the point, this point. Return to Ezekiel 36. Follow along as I paraphrase. Let's see, where do I begin? Uh, verse number 21. I'm paraphrasing. But I had pity for my holy name which the hard-hearted sinners had profaned. Therefore say, Ezekiel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned. And I will sanctify my great name, that the unbeliever shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Verse 25. For I will take you from among the heathen, election, and gather you out of all countries, not Babylon and Assyria, all countries, and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water upon you, the water of life. And you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I give you. 
and a new spirit will I put into you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. The service of the child of God. Verse 29. And I will also save you from all your uncleannesses. What is the only solution for a sin-hardened heart? You must be born again. You must be born again. You must be given a new heart to replace the old one. You can't fix it. It's broken. You have to start over. You must be regenerated. Your whole old heart cannot be repaired. It must be replaced. There's no philosophical, there's no mystical, there's no religious medicine which can repair the damage that sin has caused. You must be born again or die an eternal death. And how is someone to be born again? Well, taking the answer from that context in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, that trusts him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Put your, your humble, dependent, loving trust upon the crucified Savior, and thou shalt be given a new heart. Please stand.